Good afternoon. This is Diane from Diane Abroad. I am recording from Pristina, Kosovo. I'm in my office at the University of Kosovo, the American University of Kosovo. And it's a Friday after Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you ate too much and drank too much water and wine and now you're watching the football game, perhaps, or the Macy's Parade. It's 50, about 50 degrees here in Pristina, Kosovo. It's sunny, sunny, beautiful day. And I'm celebrating not only Thanksgiving, but I'm celebrating the fact that I published my nonfiction book, The Essential Guide to a Life of Travel, subtitled The ABCs of International Travel, was published oh, three or four days ago, and I sold three copies already. So I'm really happy about that. It's a book that developed, sort of emerged over the past two years my, with my solo travel. Um, my friends and colleagues and acquaintances ask me all kinds of questions about my traveling through 30 countries, questions about lodging, flights, insurance, car rental, travel apps, hostels, all kinds of things, and how to keep connected, how to stay connected with family and friends back home, what kind of credit cards, and so on. So this book that I wrote is a very, very comprehensive guide to traveling outside the United States. What is more, what is more about this book, more interesting beyond the interesting facts, figures, and recommendations. What is more interesting is the additional um, information I put in the book. I've written about 10 or 12 vignettes, little stories of my experiences that I've had through these 30 countries. And the not-so-good stories, the good stories, and um, the interesting stories about where I've been, people I've met, experiences I've had, the good, bad, and the not so good. So today, I want to read from you the vignette entitled Fez Maraco. Fez Maraco. So um, just to let you know, when I left the United States two years ago, I landed first in Madeira Island, Portugal, Portugal, and I was in that island for a few weeks, and then I went to Lisbon, Portugal. And then I got a, a text from a friend, Ruth Ann Ott, in St. Petersburg, Florida. And she said that she has relatives that are in Malaga, Spain, and they were taking a tour of Morocco. And did I want to go with them? Well, it was a nanosecond, and I said, absolutely. So first I was continued on my journey from Lisbon, to Barcelona. I was supposed to be in Barcelona for two weeks. I cut it short for, so just for one week, and I took the train all the way down to Malaga. And I met friends of friends. Now, you know, as a solo traveler, female, in those that, you know, two years ago, I would not have gone to Morocco on my own, alone, a solo female traveler. I wouldn't feel safe. I wouldn't feel comfortable in that country. It was totally, well, obviously, totally foreign to me. So this opportunity to go on a tour was fantastic. And, you know, I'm really not 
crazy about tours. It's not my cup of tea because I'm really interested. I'm really interested in getting into the country, into the region, into the small communities, meeting the locals, sitting down, sharing a drink, sharing a meal, sharing stories about our families. And tours often don't do that. So this was a great opportunity, however. Seven-day tour of Morocco with friends of friends in a country that I wouldn't go alone then. I may go now, but I wouldn't have then. I may go now that I've been through Morocco first. I know what to expect. But this is my vignette entitled Fez Morocco. It was 9 a.m. and we were all in the lobby ready to board the bus to tour Fez for the day. Doreen and Shirley from the Philly area, Philly area, my friends of friends, had invited me via Facebook to join them on a seven-day tour of Morocco. I was ecstatic. I shortened my two weeks in Barcelona by one week to meet them for the first time in Malaga. We met that night, and then the next morning we boarded a ferry to Tangier for a quick half-day bus tour, and then we arrived in Fez. When we were in Fez, we picked up Marta and Sylvia, two well-traveled, smart, successful young women from Lisbon, Portugal, who spoke beautiful English, of course. Our driver and our tour guide, Jahil, helped us into the van, and just at the last moment, an attractive, dark woman with black eyes, beautifully rimmed with just the right amount of black eyeliner. She had full, pale lips. A lovely smile. She gracefully entered the bus. She wore black boots, tights, and a Logan green winter coat cinched at her narrow waist. The hood of the coat surrounded her dark brown hair. She was beautiful. And immediately we could see she had a warm personality. She introduced herself as Millie, our Fez tour guide. Just then a gust of wind and rain blew through the van door opening and Millie quickly reached in her bag, pull out, pulled out a knitted cap and slipped it over her head. Yes, and now Millie was absolutely stunning. She explained to us that Fez was founded in the 9th century and it was the home to the oldest university in the world. It reached its height in the 13th and 14th centuries under the Marinids, when it replaced Marrakesh as the capital of the kingdom. Although the political capital of Morocco was transferred to Rabat in 1912, Fez has retained its status in the country's cultural and spiritual center. Millie took us into the Medina, the ancient marketplace of Fez. And she said, there are 9,500 streets, 9,500 streets, some so narrow and so shallow, it's difficult to walk. 
but she said that she said, I grew up here and I know them well. Watch me carefully and follow up. It's easy to get lost. She said, stay close to me at all times. We tagged along like dutiful children while she shared little-known information about this wonderful place. We were mesmerized by the smell of spices, honey, cigarettes, and leather. We tasted the spices and we rubbed concoctions on our hands and faces. And the motorbikes attached to small truck beds careened through the streets, popping exhaust and demanding their space in the marketplace. We had to turn sideways to walk through narrow streets, some streets less than 18 inches wide. But you know, we were curious. We all were curious about Millie and her life here in this third world country that had little respect for women. She explained that she had married in a civil ceremony just three weeks, excuse me, three months prior and you know, she had been confident that while they were dating that, that her husband-to-be was a good match for her. But since they had been married three months prior, she was no longer permitted to visit her family, and she was no longer permitted to travel. Her husband had tricked her. He had tricked her into believing he, was the supporter. he would be supportive of her work and of her travels. More than that, her husband's family didn't want her to leave the area or visit her own family because they thought her family would give her money and then she would leave her husband their son. Yet, the official ceremony, the official ceremony, religious marriage ceremony would occur in six weeks. And so in theory, she wasn't actually married. So I, I asked why she would continue. Why would she continue and get married? And couldn't she just not go to the religious ceremony and just not marry him? Well, she explained she was the oldest of nine children and all of her younger sisters were married. Her mother wanted her to marry. Millie wanted to please her mother and she wanted to ensure that her family no longer had to be ashamed, ashamed that their oldest daughter was not married. Yes, Millie would go ahead with the ceremony. Well, all of us were saddened by this news about our tour guide who had in a few short hours had become our Millie. She was our Millie, and we loved her. And so we discussed all kinds of angles. We tried to encourage her to leave, to help her get away. We wanted to give her the money to escape. We wanted to take her away with us that day. Come with us. We will help you escape. She said, I am happy to please my mother and my family. I have shamed them, and I must do the right thing for them. Don't worry. I am fine. This was the way it was for Millie. The tour was to end at 2.30 that afternoon, but we asked Millie to continue 
to continue with us throughout the afternoon, and she agreed. The rain continued. The wind was brutal. Our feet got cold and wet, and the water seeped through our clothes. We shivered in the damp, damp cold, but we didn't complain. How could we complain? Our physical discomfort paled when we were with our lovely Millie. We all knew without saying it. Millie would lead an extremely difficult life, a life she chose for herself, for the sake of her family. It was at 5.30 that we said goodbye with hugs and kisses and very generous tips. Millie knew how much we appreciated her work. And she knew our hearts broke for her. Obviously, all four of us, all five of us, learned much more about Medina, Fez, and Morocco that day. We learned about Millie and her life. That's one vignette that I included in the book didn't talk much about Fez or Morocco because the story was really about Millie and the culture that she was living, the life she was living due to her culture. So that's one of the vignettes in this book, The Essential Guide to a Life of Travel, The ABCs of International Travel. Thank you for listening. I hope you think about buying the book or at least checking out my website to see pictures. I don't have any pictures of of Millie, but I have pictures of Morocco. And uh, I look forward to going back there someday. So this is Diane from Diana Bride, wishing you a happy Thanksgiving and happy travels. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast.